Hey, this is Chris LeFay, and welcome to the Chat with Leaders podcast, where we amplify today's best examples of leaders who use their influence as a force for good. And today, Jeff is talking to Glennis Lee, and one of the stories that she tells is about the time where she brought some of her kids to a service opportunity. And it really just reminded me of how setting a good example by your actions and not just your words just makes a profound impact, whether that be on your family or on your team that you lead at work, just being able to see a leader who is willing to get into the trenches and do something and use their time and their talent and not just their checkbook as a force for good, where you can actually see the impact that you're making on people's lives just how, how much easier that is to rally behind and whether it's, you know, the business level where you as an entire team and as an organization are going out and doing something that can impact your local community or whether it flips to, you know, the personal side of, you know, your family gets out and does stuff together to where, you know, you can help literally put food on the table or give somebody a warm jacket or whatever that happens to look like doing that together just set such a great example for all the people around that are watching. I mean, everybody is watching us in some way, shape or form, right? We're all, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a leader in some way, shape or form. And so setting that example for the other people that are going to be following us in the future and for the people that are currently in our situation that need to kind of get a wake up call on it, just how amazing that is for you as a person, you as a company, and then just obviously society as a whole. So I'm going to kick it over to Jeff to let him chat with Glennis. Welcome to Chat with Leaders, Glennis. Thank you, Jeff. I am so honored to be here and thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely my pleasure and I am so honored. From the moment I met you, I have just been completely drawn to your compassion, your just servant leadership, the way that you care about being in the community and care about extending grace, both in your work uh, and in the community. So uh, just such a wonderful treat to have you with us today and to share your wisdom. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I know that you and I are going to unpack innovation means working as one, conversations around inclusion, work in the community, a little bit about your story. So the first question I have for you, Glennis, is... And, and this kind of really stems from the first time we met, because you said that serving in the community is much more than just writing checks. And so was there an inflection point in your life that led to your passion for corporate social responsibility and, and thinking in those terms? Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I can say there was one specific moment. I was raised by parents who instilled in us that we are blessed to be a blessing, hmm. And many of us get to the point where we have financial resources, so we write checks. But is that really a sacrifice or is that really almost an obligation? And when you really think about how you bless people, it's, it's how you pour into them, how you really give of your time and your talents, as well as of your treasures. So I think about that not only personally in the time that we give to individuals, but corporations where, yes, 
you give the funds. It takes funds to operate. It takes funds to help engage and to help support individuals. But it also takes that dedication and that true sacrifice. So give scholarships, but also mentor, also sponsor. Allow students to shadow, allow students to be a part of your daily experiences, share with them your stories, pour into them so that they can become and the best that they can be. They can realize their value, their potential, and ultimately their destiny. So, you know, it's not a one moment. And I think it also continues to evolve because the more you give, the more you see, the more you recognize that there's more to do. And so the more you give and the more you see and the more you do, you continue to give. One of the things that really inspired me about you was you saying that to me. It was one of the first things that you said was that it's more than writing checks. And really, it gave me goosebumps as we were standing in a nonprofit that we both love and serve here in Atlanta. But the other thing that really resonated with me was that you had your son with you that day and he's in his 20s, right? Yeah. And you had told me in our conversations previously that you would always preach to him about the importance of serving in the community, but you realized at some point that it was about showing him. It was about giving him that tangible feel. And I've always felt like that as a parent, that it's important. It behooves us to steward that responsibility and not just talk it, but also show them and and give them that tangible, that impact. So I just wanted to kind of give you that recognition and just praise for such a wonderful example as a parent as well. Yeah, I tell you, this Gen Z generation is quite unique. I think very different from us. We grew up and whatever your parents told you to do, you did it. You didn't question it. You just did it. And this generation with their access to technology and seeing so much so early in their lives, they're so influenced by many things, good and bad. So, you know, my husband and I were like, okay, well, we can show you better than we can tell you. And we really dragged him along, allowed him to participate. And I will tell you, you know, he still asked me, he was like, you know, like how we met, uh, have you talked to him? You know? <laughs> so, wow. so you made an impression on him as well. And I think everyone did. And, and Richard, everyone, like he continues to ask, like, when are you going back? What are you doing? And he asked me what my what my company is going to be doing. So mm. uh, I think those moments are are, are truly impactful. Well, you'd be proud to know Inspire You is our show sponsor today. And oh, they have been for quite some time. And uh, what a wonderful uh, community to be a part of. And, I, and you said something about Gen Z. And I think it's important. I've really thought through this show, our most important obligation as leaders is to pay it forward to the next generation as the vice president of inclusion and community and HR technology with Infor. You know, your focus on inclusion from an ethnicity point of view, from a background point of view, but also from an age point of view and gender point of view. There's so many different things that we have to be aware of. And and really, we are temporary citizens of this earth. And so if we're going to leave this world in a good place, it's really going to be left in the hands of the next generations. And so pouring into them is so important. So tell me, I guess, a little bit about why you feel called towards leading inclusion and diversity initiatives as a business leader at M4. Sometimes I do it so naturally and without thinking that when you ask me a question like that, I have to go, you know, I don't know. But then when I really think about who I am and how I was raised and and my beliefs, it's really about demonstrating the love of God that you have in you and making people see that and experience that agape love and and that, that unconditional love and that, and as you say, extending them grace. And you can't do that without being a really good leader, an inclusive leader. And that doesn't mean a perfect leader. 
But, you know, when you think about the traits of inclusive leadership, it's about being authentic. It's about being transparent. It's about operating with humility. It's about being respectful. And in order to do that, I've got to get to know you. I've got to break down my own barriers and not make assumptions about who you are and where you've come from or even plop you into a group. There's so many diversity dimensions. Like when you look at me, yes, I'm African-American. I'm also a woman, but I'm a wife. I'm a mother. There's connections on so many different levels. And especially here in the U.S., we tend to say, you know, diversity is all about gender. It's all about ethnicity and it's all about sexual orientation. And that in and of itself is such a narrow view. It could be, hey, I'm from the tri-state area and you're from the Midwest. There are very distinct differences and how we live and, and how we see things. So just being, I think that having that open-mindedness to understand, meet people where they are, like, what do you think? And why do you think that? And why, you know, I disagree with that. I agree with that. Or, you know, let's talk about this a little bit more. And I think when people see that you're not, I often talk to my team and say, you know, if you're dogmatic about something, then the person that you're trying to reach is also going to be dogmatic about their views. Mm -hmm. So you all are just going to butt heads back and forth. But if you begin to show that openness, that humility, that willingness to try and understand. I think Stephen Covey said it best, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm -hmm. If we all operated that way, imagine how much diversity of thought and perspective can come. And as the title of this show says, that's how you get to innovation. That's really how you get to innovation. You start to open up. You start to really understand. You start to share that knowledge and share that knowledge freely and transparently. And then two heads are always better than one. So what you know, what I know, what someone else knows, we continue to bring that together. We're going to continue to make things that are bigger and greater and for the greater good as well. That's so wonderful. And I love picture you painted about what inclusion is. It's so much broader than we make it out to be. And thank the good Lord that it's not about being perfect as a leader because God knows none of us are perfect and none of us have it all figured out. And it's almost cathartic to have that sense of vulnerability and release to say, Mm -hmm. you know what, I don't have it all figured out. But the importance of open-mindedness, which segues really well into the next question I had for you, Why is it important for you as a leader of your family, business, and community to teach the importance of open-mindedness and listening to opinions outside of your own beliefs? You know, I I probably get into trouble for saying this, but the last several years of watching our political landscape is really, if anyone can't see that how important it is to understand others, I don't know what world you've you've been living in and all of the challenges that we have are from almost closing our arms, our minds, our eyes to others, the plight of others, helping others, understanding how together we can do more and together we can do better. And I think it's more important than ever for us to really begin to have that lens of inclusion. And I think the thing that's probably most hurtful to me is that almost People think that equal rights means extra rights. And that's not at all the case. If we really go back to all of the principles that we've been raised with, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And all of these basic, 
you know, almost primary principles of just courtesy and kindness. I think we've we've forgotten them and we've neglected them. And even going back to those basic principles gives us the foundation of being an inclusive individual and exhibiting those inclusive behaviors. Mm. Because you said, I mean, there are things like if, I mean, honestly, would you really want someone to treat you in some of the ways that I think we hear people treating or talking about others or, you know, lumping others into into categories and and then justifying that, oh, well, I'm not being discriminatory or I'm not being prejudiced. But, you know, you're, you're, re- you're not being respectful. <laughs> you're not really operating with humility, you know, and you're making it a power struggle or making it about economics. And that's not really where it starts. You know, mm. I think we were, we were just talking about Little House on the Prairie. And wow, how different was life? We've just been locked up for 18 months. Mm. And I still think, you know, and the worst days were the days that there was no Internet. Rather than really leveraging that wonderful, wonderful opportunity to talk to one another, to really get to know one another again. I've I've heard married couples that are like, wow, we haven't spent this much time together since our honeymoon. And, Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful to rekindle the relationship, not just the love, but the connections that we can have with people. And I think that's why this is so important, because if we don't connect, we'll never heal our society. If we don't connect and, and res- truly respect one another and the differences, differences aren't bad. Differences is, how, is really how I think we present our value, you know, our experiences, our perspectives that make us who we are collectively can only be better. Mm. And and that's why it's just so, and it's something that we just have to naturally have as a part of us, not, it has to be a natural and organic way in the way we operate. And I think in a lot of ways, it's unnatural in today's world. We've been so kind of trained to exist within our own echo chambers and we're so tied to our social media and, and whatever communities mm-hmm. we're involved with and ways of thinking that we almost have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone to be a little bit more intentional about how we are open-minded and we consider different points of view and that we leverage discernment. And And I love what you said about uh, this kind of disconnect that we had felt, I think that we were quite frankly socially distant before the pandemic. The pandemic didn't induce social distancing. I wish they would have called it physical distancing. Exactly. In fact, a that, dear friend of mine, Andrew. It yeah. Physical distance. And when you combine that with that social distance that was already there, I think that's why I just like knocked this out, knocked the wind out of us. Like, what is going on? So I, true. Uh, yeah, I actually did a presentation the other day for the National Diversity Council, and I was talking about something called a comfort to growth zone. So we start in our comfort zone, but then there's something that happens that disrupts this. But the first phase that we go through is fear. Hmm. And before we can get into a learning zone where we can then grow, we have to deal with the fear. And I think that's what we fail to do. We try... We beat everybody over the head with the learning, but we skip the fear. And that's where you make the connection. That's where you deal with personal beliefs. That's where you build trust in moving forward. That's where you really have to focus on where you unlearn things that you 
may have thought or felt or known in the past. And that's what we don't do well. And we seem to be stuck in that zone of fear. Yeah. And until we can deal with that and until we can get through that, we're not going to fully learn. We're not going to grow. But part of dealing with that fear is meeting people where they are. And that's where we come in. That's where leadership counts. Mm. That's where inclusivity counts. That's where extending that grace counts to get people out of that zone, that fear zone into where they can learn more. They're open to learn more and then they can grow. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, I, and it really just hit me that I think it's such a responsibility when we have identified fear with the people that are entrusted under our care that we don't just perpetuate that fear or, or make that fear worse by extending the peace and the grace that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It actually lends them strength and it gives them power, power to overcome. And it's not about positional power or who kind of has, you know, less fear than the other. And we talk about courage and maybe the fearless leader being the one that's kind of guiding everyone. And that's what servant mm-hmm. leadership is all about. When everyone is afraid it's a social contract. They're looking for that servant leader, the person that you know they have trusted as their leader to step up, to get out in front, to show them the path. We're going from here to here. I may not know exactly what that looks like, but I'm here to take you there and to give you my strength through my peace and my grace. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are going to take a quick break for this message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. And now back to our chat. So talking about conflict and the fact that we, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but Mm -hmm. do you have any tips or techniques in terms of how we navigate conflict resolution, especially in the workplace when we see things a little bit differently and, and lean into some of these challenging conversations? Yeah, so we have a concept or we call them mental models, if you will, around respectful challenge. And I think it's showing that authenticity of wanting to learn and know more. So even when we're talking about a topic or, you know, trying to come up with a solution, it's not about here's my proposal. Do you like it or not? It's here's kind of my point of view and how I was thinking, you know, let's poke holes in this. Mm -hmm. So showing my willingness as a leader or even my willingness as any type of contributor to be open to feedback, to understanding, hey, being transparent and saying, I don't know all the answers. I don't have the magic bullet. Let's talk this through. Like, what do you think about this? Let people know, hey, I want to hear your opinion. I want your contribution. I know and I and I demonstrate that I believe you have value. You have something to give. And that's why you're at the table with me. So let's talk it through. When you begin to create that climate for cohesion and that climate for openness, you, I think you explode the opportunities for innovation, for creativity, and people get excited about that opportunity. 
And so you don't approach everything as a negative conflict. You approach it as an environment of, hey, we are all here for the same reason. I mean, yes, it starts with that shared vision and let's make sure we're all aligned on what we're trying to do or what we're trying to accomplish. But then, you know, there's many roads to get there. Rarely is there only one way to get to an answer, you know. So what's that old saying? There's many ways to skin a cat. I don't want to think we're killing something in, in this <laughs> process. But, you know, there's many different ways. And let's find out all of them. Let's come up with something new. Let's let's brainstorm and just go for it. And I think that that's where the opportunities truly do explode. And that means I can't pigeonhole you. And I've, you know, every every experience that I've had with this type of individual or someone from this ethnic background or, you know, I don't agree with, with your lifestyle, that has to go to the wayside. And it's got to be, here's Jeff and here's what Jeff can do. Here's what Jeff, here's the value that Jeff presents. Jeff is great at leading conversations. How do we leverage this value? Hmm. How do we leverage that talent? And that's how, when you start to think about that from that positive perspective than a negative one, then I think you open up the doors. Like when when we say, oh, we disagree with that. The first thing we say is, okay, hey, let's get together. Let's talk through it. Let's talk through your point of view. Let's talk through my point of view. Let's see where we're diverging. Mm. And then let's see how we can close the gap. Not no, I don't I don't agree with you. <laughs> it's a very different approach. But I think our Gen Z generation is teaching us this because as we grew up, whether you liked what your parents said or not, mommy and daddy said, do this and this is what I'm going to do. Didn't question it, didn't ask. And now we're taking it back because they're questioning things. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Okay, you want to talk about this? Let's let's talk through this. Tell me why you think this way. Where are you getting these opinions from? Or what have you seen? What have you heard? Now, here's our perspective. But letting them know that, hey, I want to hear what you have to say. That's half the battle. That's Love it. Yeah. And and so powerful. I mean, everything you just said there, but that's exactly what we're talking about, where inclusion leads to innovation and innovation means working as one. And really Gen Z is pushing us in so many good ways. And when we find that we are open-minded to change and that we're open to thinking, hey, how can we do this differently? How can we do this better? And allowing ourselves to receive that kind of feedback, even as leaders that have gone through a lot in ourselves and not just kind of operating within our preconceived notions of how things ought to be, that kind of inclusion and cohesion and unity can really sustain our world. And I feel like, you know, as business leaders, as businesses, as for-profit businesses, we have this opportunity to scale our social impact by being more intentional through our social inclusion. So I'm just so grateful about the person that you are, Glennis, the inspiration that you share with not only our listeners, but every day in your workplace and your family. And you're such a, a wonderful example of that. If people wanted to learn more about your leadership, follow you online or learn more about your business, where would you guide them? They can follow me on LinkedIn. It's under Glennis Lee. So you should, um, relatively easy to find on LinkedIn. So uh, happy to do that. And then my contact information is there. So I'm always willing to meet new people, to speak with people. So would love to have anyone to reach out, to have a conversation. So thank you. 
thank you so much for this. And I just love uh, having conversations with you as well. So always. Yeah. I'm just so glad that it was in the plan for us to know one another and to be friends, Glennis. <laughs> and I will certainly be posting that link to your LinkedIn on our show notes on chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again, Glennis. This was such a gift. Thank you so, so much for having me and keep up the great work that you're doing as well. Thank you. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.